Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench, everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. Hackers are after your business data. I can help. I am Vi, the virtual intelligence assistant at Virtual Armor. Virtual Armor, partnered with Juniper Networks, provides cybersecurity services and end-to-end solutions to keep what's yours, yours. Defend yourself with managed firewall and managed SIM essential core services that are economical and efficient. Virtual Armor goes beyond just initial alerting to provide a thorough report on threats, vulnerabilities, and results. Let me help protect you. Contact me at JustAskVi. That's V-I dot com. And here we go. My opponent is against oil, guns, and God. I am the Democratic Party right now. 47 years, you've done nothing. Everything Americans value hangs in the balance. We have an obligation under the Constitution. To use every arrow in our quiver. This is the most important election in the history of our country. I believe that. This is Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull. And welcome, episode six, Devious Motives podcast, the debate hangover, the Veep debate hangover edition. It is great to be spending this time with you. So what did we learn from the debate last night? By the way, coming up uh, later in this uh, hour, we'll hear from Eric Trump on uh, reacting to last night. He's uh, he's here in North Carolina uh, campaigning and, uh, and meeting the peeps. Later, uh, Ryan Morrow, uh, who's got a great documentary out called Covert Cash you need to know about with all the stuff going on at the colleges with foreign influence. But what'd you learn last night watching the debate? Did you learn anything watching the debate last night? Well, certainly you learned a few things. You, you learned that uh, the, the, the rage, the TDS is still very, very present out there in the country. Look, bo- both of the sides on this presidential run, uh, Republicans and Democrats, Democrats and Republicans, well, let's be honest, neither can stand the other. You, you may be able to stand people in your personal universe. I know people who are Democrats and I'm really good friends with them and I don't really care. I mean, this, they're Democrats. That's how they vote. I'm a conservative. I vote my values. And, and we mostly stick to talking about our kids and sports and uh, cool books we read and movies. But when it comes to politics, this is a very hard place to uh, to try to find any common ground. Uh, let me do the debate in reverse. I did think it was cool at the end of the debate that you had, um, obviously, a planted question from a kid. I'm sure it was a real kid, but it just felt really planted. Uh, is this is this all we can do? Is everybody just hate each other all the time? I mean, what's going on with that? Um no, I mean, I don't I don't think that the the hatred was personal between Vice President Pence and, and Senator Harris. I do think it was ideolo- ideological, especially coming from from Senator Harris. I think she viewed Vice President Pence as illegitimate, as um, an interloper, a person who who shouldn't be in the role of, of the uh, vice presidency, uh, her tone, uh, her temperament. Uh, was about what you've seen. I mean, there was nothing particularly remarkable from either of the two candidates. Uh, Vice President Pence was a little bit more aggressive than I'm used to seeing. Uh, Senator Harris was about as aggressive as I'm as I'm used to seeing. Boy, I'd love to play poker against her though, because I mean, she's just 
she wears her uh, her expression right on her face. I mean, you know, she's she's very disappointed or unhappy or angry at whatever it was that uh, Vice President Pence was saying. But all that being said, what did we what did we really learn? Like, what what do we actually learn? What do we take away from this process? Anything? Um, I think what we came away from the process with was you you have two completely different viewpoints when it comes to the presidency and the vice presidency of the United States. You have one orientation towards letting people make choices and take those risks. And, and you have the other side of the equation, which is regulation, administrative state. We know better. Um, and, and I think a, a, attended to the we know better is the we are better. We, we are better. We are better people. Uh, we are better experts. We are better. All that sort of stuff. Uh, I, I'm consistently shocked and amazed at the ideas being floated out by the Biden-Harris team or the Harris-Biden team. I want to be fair. Uh, I, I'm, I'm shocked by the way they talk about the way they're going to handle the COVID and the coronavirus. And it's all basically stuff that the, that the Trump administration's already pretty much done. Thought it was irresponsible that the senator said she wouldn't take a Donald Trump approved vaccine. There isn't going to be a Donald Trump created or approved vaccine. That's the big great fiction that they've uh, established there. But there's really not a lot new there. There's taxation. There's regulation. There's likely, very likely court packing. And and of course, let's not make any mistake about this. There is very likely uh, going to be uh, tax increases, regulation increases, uh, socialized medicine, uh, uh, bans on fracking and energy. I mean, if they would just be honest and embrace it, then, you know, that's fine. I, I, there's, there's actually no downside to being honest. If people want socialism, they'll ask for it by name. But it was, it was a fascinating debate last night. The big news coming out this morning, though, was that the, the, the Presidential Debate Commission decided that they were going to go to a virtual debate for the second presidential debate. And uh, Joe Biden, it would mean, would be allowed to have, you know, fully telepromptered and and an earpiece in his head and all that kind of stuff would be going on. I mean, it's an incredible uh, kind of a deal. But the president of the United States reacting this morning uh, with Maria Bartiromo on Fox Business. Here's what the president said this morning. I'm not going to waste my time on a virtual debate. That's not what debating is all about. You sit behind a computer and do a debate. It's ridiculous. And then they cut you off whenever they want. Uh, I have a host who I always thought was a nice guy, but I see he's a never Trumper. You know, came out that he's a never Trumper. With that as a, as background, what do you say we check in with Eric Trump, son of the president of the United States? What a week, ten days you've had, and uh, uh, how you feeling? How, how you holding up with with this super fast paced uh, news cycle? Obviously, your your dad is uh, the president, and he's uh, he's fighting the fight against the, this COVID, and uh, uh, certainly was was very. Uh, uh, very full of energy this morning with Maria Bartiromo. Yeah, yeah to say the least. And that was, that was a pretty amazing interview. In fact, I think he got the news that the uh, Presidential Debate Commission said that they were going to do a a Skype call for the debate. And um, <laughs> Maria, I'm not sure if you saw it. I was watching it. Maria looked at, you know, said over the phone, um, you know, Ms. President, it looks like the uh, you know Presidential Debate Commission just came out and said that uh, the debate now will no longer be in Miami, but it's going to be under a Skype call. He goes, you got to be kidding me. Give me a break. I mean, <laughs> What are, what are we doing? We're not we're, we're not we're not doing this. We're going to we're going to both stand on stage like like big people and, 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 and do what presidential candidates have done for the last you know, 200 years, which is actually debate. And, you know, it's um, it, it, it's amazing how they're uh, how they're trying to carry, you know, Biden's water. There's nothing more that he would love to do than, um, you know, be in his basement or somewhere, um, you know, reading off of flashcards, um, you know, looking into a Zoom call um, instead of having to actually stand there on the stage. But um uh, my father said, "I think you know, regardless, he's going to be in Miami on the debate stage. If uh, if if uh, if Biden wants to show up, he can. If he decides not to show up, that's just fine too. He'll uh, 
he'll uh he'll have a nice conversation with everybody from there but um now it's uh it's it's uh it's never dull in our world that much i can tell you Oh, certainly, without a doubt. And, and and this all coming on the heels of the debate last night, obviously, Vice President Pence, Senator Harris uh, squaring off. Uh, I, I thought that it was uh, a, an informative debate, informative for a lot of reasons, including fracking, court packing, uh, that sort of stuff that, that it did feel to me like uh, Senator Harris was very uneasy uh, around getting into the details. Your thoughts on what we saw last night? Well, I thought I, I thought the, the vice president did an incredible job, and um, you know, talked about my daughter before Carolina. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, literally, he was the first person that called me when she was born. He is the most thoughtful, nicest. Um, I mean, he's incredible. I mean, the guy is absolutely incredible. He's got a heart of gold, and I think they came across last night. But I mean, he, he I mean, he absolutely nailed that debate last night. And I think everybody saw that. And you know, when you look at the Democratic Party right now, what they stand for, they want to get rid of 180 million private health care plans. Um, you see that they want to, you know, they want to go to full socialized medicine like Cuba and Venezuela. I mean, um, you know, what they would do to, to Social Security, what they would do to, um, you know, they want to, you see their kind of crusade on, on religion in this country, on Christianity. That, you know, they took out uh, under God and in the, in the Pledge of Allegiance. You saw that whole nonsense. They want to get rid of your Second Amendment. They want to not only reverse all my father's tax cuts, but they want to add an additional $4 trillion up and above that in taxes to this nation, which... You know, for anyone that has a 401k or an IRA, I mean, you know, forget about it. Those things would, you know, go down the tubes. And I mean, I could go on and on. You see what they do to, to, to law enforcement. I mean, Kamala Harris in a congressional hearing literally compared law enforcement to the KKK. Um, she wants to, quote unquote, abolish the police. Um, a couple of weeks ago, she came out and said that uh, she wants to limit the amount of beef people can eat. Um, you know, she wants to put a limit on, uh, on uh, beef. I mean, you can't make this up. I mean, they want to ban plastic straws. They want to spend $100 trillion on a Green New Deal, which would bankrupt our country overnight. And you have my father and, and the vice president, on the other hand, I mean, uh, they want the greatest economy. Uh, they want the lowest unemployment. They want wages to go through the roof. Um, they want the strongest military um, in the world, which you know my father's totally rebuilt over the last four years. And mm-hmm. they want to take care of our veterans, and they want school choice, and they want you know faith in this nation, and they want um, a focus on, on family, um, the nuclear family in this, in this country. Um, you know, they want peace. Uh, they want peace in the Middle East. My father just did two great peace deals. They want, you know, low prescription drug costs. I mean, he's going to absolute war against the, the pharmaceutical companies who have been ripping off this nation for, for, for years. And um, that's why they're advertising so much, you know, against him right now. But, um, you know, it's it's amazing. All well, you know, these guys are fighting to eliminate plastic straws and, um, and uh, you know, um, and socialized medicine. I mean, it's, it's, and, and, and attack law enforcement. It, it's absolutely increasing. It's it's inter- I mean, the, the, the difference between the two parties have never been greater. It's, it's interesting because for a party that uh, likes to tout itself as the party of choice, they really don't want to give the American people the choice uh, to, 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 to decide their own uh, futures, how they want to live, where they want to live, uh, where they what they want to do for, for uh, building their own retirements and wealth and things like that. It's, it's always been very striking to me about, about that difference. Eric Trump joining us here. Let me pivot you over to uh, one last thing on the COVID issue, and then I want to take you back to the event that you're doing in, in North Carolina and your sense about North Carolina. Um, it, it, it is obvious to me that the Biden-Harris ticket or the Harris-Biden ticket, with all due respect, um, is is more angry at the president over COVID than they are the People's Republic of China. We've not heard calls for an investigation, a commission, any of that sort of stuff. They seem to be turning those howitzers against President Trump and Vice President Pence. Uh, and that just feels incredibly wrongheaded to me. 
Yeah, they listen. There's no question about it. They, they, they would the Democratic Party, and not even the Democratic Party right now, because JFK would solidly be in our court um, today, right? This is a far left party, but you know they they would rather see my father, um, you know, fail than, than 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 see this country succeed. And I've I've said that a million times, and it's really true. Um, my father put out a, a video yesterday. I'm not sure if you saw it, but. Mm-hmm. You better believe he's holding China accountable for for what they've done, not only to um, you know this country but the entire globe. Um, what they did is disgusting. Yep. Uh, they haven't apologized. They haven't tried to help in any way, shape, or form. In fact, they've done the exact opposite. They've done everything they can to try and uh, not help um, and be impediments. Um, you know, and including fat, you know the fact that they hid the fact, but you know that it was a pandemic and it was real. Uh, I mean, they totally covered it up, and they're still covering it up. And um, my father put out a video yesterday, which is effectively, um, hey, I'm feeling great, and you better believe um, we're holding China, China accountable um, because the way that they've been hurting this globe, the way that they've been hurting and ripping off our country for years, um, it has to stop. And you saw my father do that when he threw all the tariffs on China. And mm-hmm. China had the worst year in 60 years, meaning economic year in the last 60 years last year um, because of the tariffs and all the manufacturing is moving out of the country and everything else. But it's disgusting what they've done to this globe, and you better believe that he's going to hold them accountable. And and you're right, the Democrats don't want to mention China. They don't want to mention the source of the problem and, and, and where the problem came from and, and the people that, that covered it up and didn't alert the world to it. No, they don't want to talk about that. They want to, you know, use it as their only way to say that my father's, um, you know, um, you know, uh, you know that he's done something wrong or that he's, you know, whatever, you know, whatever their, their line is that day because they have nothing else. I mean, um, for years their policies have failed this country and. Um, and my father's accomplished more in the last you know, three and a half years than Biden has in the last 47 years of being in government. And um, and they know that. And so the only line that they have is COVID, COVID, COVID. And I, I just don't think Americans um, buy it anymore. Final final question for you. How are you feeling about North Carolina? Obviously, uh, I, I know that you and your family are deployed in, in different parts of the of the country, uh, messaging and reaching out to voters and doing that. H- how are you feeling about North Carolina? Certainly, uh, a state that was that was good for your father uh, four years ago. Uh, you've had an influx, I think, of conservatives moving into the state uh, from from northeastern states and out out west. Um, what, what's your sense as you're uh, here for for the event? Uh, at the Oshucks uh, uh, farm, uh, what, what are you uh, what are you feeling about the uh, state of North Carolina? Well, North Carolina, is, it's incredible. I mean, obviously, we know the state incredibly well. We spent a lot of time down there personally, and and and, and obviously, um, it's a state that our family loves and is from, and and, and everything else. Or at least my media family is from. But um, it's um, I've never seen enthusiasm like like I've seen down there. I mean. Um, my, my father uh, just did a, a big event in Wilmington um, a couple weeks ago um, you know, on the battleship on, on North Carolina, and um, it was unbelievable. Literally, for miles and miles and miles, they have people lining the streets. I mean, miles of, of people, you know, five people deep, six people deep, lining the street all the way from, you know, the, the Wilmington Airport all the way to, you know, downtown Wilmington. I mean, you know, the people that come out and the American flags and, and I mean, People, people love this country. They love red, white, and blue. Um, you know, um, you know, North Carolina's got some of the greatest people that we have in this nation, and, and they love our flag, and they love what our flag stands for, and they're sick and tired of seeing it desecrated and people burning it, and they're sick and tired of seeing athletes who are making $30 million a year kneeling, um, you know, for the national anthem, and they love our nation and everything that we stand for. They're incredible military state. And they've seen what my father's done rebuilding the military and how many people have gotten pay increases under him. I mean, our military's got, you know, three of the biggest pay increases that they've ever had under, under my father's leadership. And, right. um, and, and, and people get it. I mean, people get it. And so the enthusiasm is, um, I don't think it's ever been better. 
Um, there's tremendous patriotism in this country. There's tremendous love in this country. And um, and I think we're going to win. I mean, people have to get out to the polls. You have to get out to the polls. North Carolina is arguably the most important state in the nation. I mean, you have to get out to the polls and you have to vote. And early voting starts in a couple of days. Um, but uh, get out there, vote. And I promise you, um, my father will never let you down. And we as a family will uh, will never let you down. And we um, we truly we truly love you all in, um, in that amazing state. Eric Trump, we appreciate you making time for us. Good luck out there on the trail. Stay safe, and uh, I look forward to visiting with you again down the road. Can't wait. You take care. All the best. Brett Witterbull, Eric Trump. You're listening to Devious Motives. You're listening to Devious Motives. You know, we here on the uh, Devious Motives podcast have sort of been developing a a storyline just over these last few days. Consider what we've done. We've taken a look at Silicon Valley. We have taken a, a very deep look as it relates to the political establishment, the deep state, socialism. Uh, we, we started with Alam Bakari a couple of days ago. We uh, had Dinesh D'Souza on yesterday to talk about the deep state and, and national Democrat National Socialism or Democrat Socialism. Now we turn to the universities and, and look to consider what the universities are up to. Uh, it's not just about convincing your kids to become good little Antifa loving leftists with Che Guevara shirts. It's actually something much, much, much more sinister, much more sinister. What about foreign actors paying our professors to do their bidding? And we're not talking about democracies. This isn't Germany and England and France. These are some of the worst regimes in the world. Let that sink in for a brief moment. Boy, am I happy to welcome my next guest uh, to the show, Ryan Morrow, who is the Shillman Fellow and National Security Analyst for the Clarion Project, talking about foreign funding influencing America's top universities. Now, before you think this is just, well, some, some, some hippie college professor is, is making some money. No, this is about forming a, uh, uh, an impenetrable uh, uh, attack on the next generation of Americans who are studying while corrupting professors and scientists. Uh, we look at the case of Charles Lieber, uh, the former head of Harvard's chemistry and chemical biology department. He was uh, busted by the federal government, accused of giving false information about the Thousand Talents program, which is a scheme by the Chinese government to recruit the world's top scientific minds for their profit and for espionage. Ryan Morrow, uh, good to have you on the show. W- welcome. Thanks so much for having me and uh, being enthusiastic about about the work that we're doing. Uh, most people either don't know about this issue of foreign financing of the universities and colleges, or they hear about it and they don't care, or they think it's BS. So we appreciate your support. Well, listen, it, it would be one thing if these were friendly nations uh, working in conjunction with the United States. But when you start getting into the PRC, when you start getting into to other foreign actors, uh, you know, you, you all recently released a film titled Covert Cash, uh, talking about that foreign funding that's gone into this, the shaping of education. Talk a little bit about how this is happening. How are they able to operate under the radar uh, in this way? We know about the Confucius Institutes that, that China's put around the country uh, what about this actual move to start flipping professors and scientists into their efforts right this is really wild stuff uh, so what we did was my team at the clarion project went through the disclosures by universities and colleges um where they voluntarily well they agreed to disclose certain foreign transactions as they're supposed to do by law 
And the numbers that we got were just astounding. Just uh, the latest numbers of what we think uh, came in in terms of foreign financing is $17 billion between 2012 and 2019 into American colleges and universities. Uh, $4.5 billion of that was originally not declared. Now, these schools are required by law to disclose any foreign donation or contract they get, $250,000 and above. Um, but we found that in the majority of cases, the schools just didn't do it. They didn't need to follow the law like you and I have to. And when we ran the numbers and it took us months to do this, we found that about a third of that is coming from countries that don't like us very much and also don't have like this spare cash. So this isn't like a humanitarian effort just for the well-being of American students. We're talking about Qatar, China. Saudi Arabia, Russia, um, Turkey, even Venezuela and the government of Syria, like <laughs> like all this money co- coming in and the schools are breaking the law by not disclosing it. The schools are not even required by the law to say what the money's going towards. But when we looked into what the money was going towards, we found professors being directly fi- financed and the professors were radical. China constructing spy bases and propaganda bases on college campuses. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's terrifying. And, and again, this is just the tip of the iceberg, a small percentage of what the actual number of foreign funding is. What's amazing to me is I'll take I'll take you as an example. If if Ryan decided or, or Ryan was inv- in, invited to speak on a college campus, odds are you would be met with an angry mob with uh, uh, protests and, and and they'd have infiltrators in your address or your your conversation with the students. They'd start disrupting, screaming at you, threatening you. And we, we've seen it a million times on, on campuses around the country. But these same American universities that don't want to hear from conservatives. Conservatives are totally happy hearing from the Chinese, the Saudis, the Syrians, the Venezuelans, uh, y- you name it. And and one of the points that you raise in this is the fact that they've actually spun these American universities into becoming positive public relations representatives of these oppressive regimes. They're actually trying to sell the upside on Syria, China and Venezuela. It's incredible. Right. And it's so hard to find out the what the effect is of this money. Um, the Department of Education and members of Congress have described this as a black hole where, you know, a, a portion of the money that's coming in, but we don't know like anything about it unless you do some investigating on your own. And so people who are listening to this interview can go to covertcash.com. They can watch the documentary and then they can access the data, which we update when there's new disclosures to see what your college and your university near you is getting from foreign countries. Um, at least what's been declared, and then know the real number is much greater. Um, as an example of, of really the borderline treachery that goes on, Northwestern University got something like $400 million from Qatar, wow. um, a, a state sponsor of terrorism. So we looked into that, and what we found was is that Qatar sent that money to this American school to basically hire them to build out Al Jazeera, the most <laughs> influential terror propaganda network on the planet. And then we found out that one of Northwestern University's professors who was sending out anti-American tweets on 9-11, saying basically, we're the terrorists, we looked into his financing, and it turned out uh, that he was getting money from Qatar, specifically from a terror-linked foundation, 
of about $1.3 million. Now, is there a connection between this radical professor at the school being funded by Qatar and the professor himself being funded by a terror-linked foundation and his comments? I tend to think so. It's really incredible because uh, I, I remember when I was in college, I'm sure you have memories as well uh, of being being in school. You know, you go in, you're, you're thinking you're going to get all this knowledge and all these skills and you're going to come out and you're going to really change the world. 17, 18, 19 year olds are very impressionable. And I think these foreign entities understand that and they want to get them young and they want to get them activated in their camp. I mean, is, is am I misreading that? No, you're not misreading it at all. Uh, what's freaky about this is that these countries, including their leaders, they like to spend the money on themselves, right? I mean, they want sure. extra cars. They usually are, are paying for, you know, all sorts of illegal stuff. And yet they're saying what there's something going on at the colleges and universities that they would rather spend that money on than themselves and oppressing their own people. There's some really high return on investment that isn't being disclosed to us. And considering most of these schools get taxpayer money mm-hmm. and there are people whose lives are, in some cases, crippled by student debt, we got to demand what this money is go- coming in and, wh- and why this is all happening. If you go to buy, like, cigarettes or something, you've got a warning label on there. Yep. You get, you know, a me- medicine, same thing, all of the possible things that could happen to you. You have a student going into a classroom that's going to permanently affect his mind and how he views the world, and none of those labels are there. There's no warning label that this guy is being financed by a state sponsor of terrorism. What's incredible is we were watching a number of elections taking place around the country against the backdrop, obviously, of BLM protests and street violence with Antifa and all that sort of stuff. And I. I, I'm, I'm suspicious. I have to believe much of that radicalization has been has been incubated at the college level. And some of it perhaps has been exploited by foreign actors. China comes to mind. They've got a, a huge a wellspring of cash. Uh, they've got like I said, they've got those Confucian Institutes. They've got uh, they've got, uh, of course, the Thousand Talents program. And I kind of wanted to bring it full circle here, because when Charles Lieber, who was the former head of Harvard's chemistry and chemical biology department, uh, was busted for lying about getting paid by the Chinese uh, uh, government to do his work. Uh, it's not lost on me that that was that was back in the early spring, just at the at the beginnings of the coronavirus, the covid uh, outbreak uh, that, that many people weren't paying close attention to. Uh, is that is that sort of like what we're seeing? And I don't I don't want to unnecessarily slander, obviously, Charles Lieber, but I'm using him as an example that that would be the sort of thing where you would maybe uh, be able to influence a person like this or another high ranking professor or somebody who goes on the cable channels a lot or or, or TV or radio to message properly for China to save their reputation as the world was beginning to come to grips with COVID. Now, there is a crackdown happening with the Justice Department. And in fact, so many professors and staff members of colleges and universities have been arrested for hiding the money that they're getting from China and being involved in this corruption that I lost count. Um, but it, it is there is a crackdown going on. But the Justice Department officials say basically the investigations are going on in every state. And the investigations take a really long time. Um, and so you can have hundreds of professors doing this. How many of them do we have the resources to actually investigate and prosecute? Only a fraction. Eventually, the problem gets so big that you 
can't really solve it. And that's where we're at. The deep state is everywhere, Ryan, everywhere. It's in every corner of our lives. It is remarkable. Uh, the, the documentary is called Covert Cash. Uh, where do people go to see it and then get the uh, get the attached information that you all have uh, aggregated on these universities so people can be aware of where it is their dollars are going? Sure, they can go to covertcash.com and we'll have the link to the video that's on YouTube now closing in on uh, a million views in a short period of time. And that's where you can get the data and find out what your local college or university <laughs> is getting um, from adversaries of the United States. An unbelievable story. You, they wouldn't buy it in Hollywood if you wrote it as a script, and it's true life. It's real life. Ryan Moore, all the best. I look forward to visiting with you as, as developments warrant, and certainly keep in touch with us on the, uh, on the other big stories that you're working on. Appreciate your time today, my friend. Certainly going to give you a, a, a pause, make you think about whether or not you really want to be sending your kids to particular colleges uh, and, and universities, because the reality is, the left doesn't really change, and, and, and the, t- the tyranny of the left. And when I say the left, I don't mean American Democrats or, or liberals in the United States. I'm talking about the hard left, the global left, your, your Castro brothers, your, your Maduros, your Kim Jong-uns, your Xi Jinping's, your, your Vladimir Putin's, frankly. They, they don't change their tactics and strategies because those tactics and strategies work. There's a reason why terrorist groups still use suicide bombers. There's a reason why terrorist groups still use truck bombs and IEDs, because they work. They don't have to innovate unless they really have to innovate or they really want to send a different kind of a message. So, you know, when we send our kids off to college, as I was saying, we send kids off to college, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, very impressionable, very impressionable. Uh, they want to believe what their professors are telling them because they've had 12 years of that acculturation that takes place in the education system where you are to listen to the principal and the vice principal and the teacher and the coach and they know and they're going to tell you what's what. But can you really not teach an old dog new tricks? No, you really can't. And that's the important thing. So the same way that in the 1920s, the universities were, were in the 1930s, the universities were uh, uh, co-opted by the, by the Soviets. You're seeing it now with tyrants and dictators around the world. I just think there ought to be truthful labeling uh, coming out there in that regard. I think we ought to know if a professor or an institution is taking money. But some of the old tricks are still the old tricks. Here, check this out from last night's debate with uh, Senator uh, Kamala Harris. Here's what she said about the COVID crisis. Well, the American people have witnessed what is the greatest failure of any presidential administration in the history of our country. The greatest failure of any presidential administration in history. So there's no there's no uh, congressional culpability. There's no gubernatorial culpability. Andrew Cuomo kills 6000 elderly people in the nursing homes. He doesn't have any culpability. It's just the specific executive branch of government that did all this. Okay. So Vice President Pence came back with a terrific response to her. And I want to let you hear this on the way out the door because it's important to remember this. He basically said there's nothing new under the sun from Harris and Biden and Biden and Harris. Listen to this. The reality is when you look at the Biden plan, it reads an awful lot like what President Trump and I and our task force have been doing every step of the way. I mean, quite frankly, when I look at their plan that talks about advancing testing, creating new PPE, developing a vaccine, Um, It looks a little bit like plagiarism. It was a great way to rebut the charge because it speaks to the truth of the assertion and the allegation. It was a great way to rebut the charge 
because it was decent and civil without yelling or table pounding. That was a good move by Vice President Pence. It's going to do it for us. I'm Brett Witterbull. It is the Devious Motives Podcast. Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS.